Hello and welcome to InsureTech Business Series podcast. Uh, my name is Damola Oloko. This is our first uh, podcast series. I'm joined by Olumi and I am your co-host. Hi Damola, how are you today? I'm doing very well, Olumi. How is everything? How is the family? Fine, fine. How have you been coping amidst this um, lockdown and the pandemic? Oh, well, the key word there is different. You know, uh, everything has been different. So definitely all that you must, must have been doing before, you have to find a new way to do them, you know. So that's what I've been trying to do and just really trying to adapt, adapt you know, and just be, make make uh, make everything better even afterwards, uh, after the, the, the lockdown. So, so yeah. So how, what about you? Awesome. Well, I've been working from home, you know, um, been working remotely. I mean, who would have thought in January, person I think that most of us would be forced I know, right? to have to learn to make use of technology, which is a good thing. I mean, judging by what we intend to discuss today, it's, it's actually a very um, good way to start. I mean... We don't pray that this whole pandemic will last for a very long time, but even praying that we find it cure, judging by the numbers already. But um, it has forced a lot of us to look inward, to look at technology as an option to carry out most of our activities. And I think um, for me, that's a, a good one. Um, I mean, that's the only way I've been able to survive this whole lockdown and the current um, global pandemic. This podcast is uh, is possible because of technology. Gonna at times yeah. where you really have to go to a radio station to be able to make this kind of thing available for listeners and you know, stuff like that. Yeah. But now today with technology, hey, you can actually have your own radio station. You know, have your own uh, channel. You know, and that's why we we came up with uh, uh, this idea to you know have this kind of um, platform where we can actually come and talk about things uh, that affect the insurance and insurtech space, you know, so... All right, so you say that it's actually an interesting one um, with the topic we are going to be discussing today, which is the future of insurtech globally and in Nigeria. I mean, there's going to be a lot of uh, technology disruptions in the insurance space. Yes. There's um, going to be a lot of... Um, you know, um, um, tech companies coming up with insurance solutions, insurance providers that are just going to be, um, I mean, take for instance now, you have the likes of Lemonade, you have the likes of Bima, and the likes of them that are disrupting that particular insurance space. So it's important and it's essential for us to discuss the future of insurance globally and in Nigeria. Whether we like it or not, this whole pandemic would be shaped the world in terms of technology demand so it's, it's really an exciting one what do you think yes it, it really is i mean I, I i love that this is the first topic that we are speaking about on this podcast series you know because i'm really i'm an advocate for for the use of technology and generally i mean we'll hear from from our guests which we are going to be introducing soon the perception of, of technology in the insurance industry worldwide is is is, is quite quite low you know so but with this COVID-19 uh, pandemic you know you'd see that a lot of 
companies would begin to see the importance of imbibing technology. I was listening to Brett King, who is a futurist in America, talk, and he says that post-COVID, I mean, you see more and more banks and insurance companies, financial institutions, you know, do away with with some of their branches, you know. Many of them are going more tech, tech-enabled now. So people will be imbibing a lot of tech now. And so it's important that we begin to have some of these conversations around how this technology can work and how companies should be embracing them. We'll be talking to industry leaders, tech enthusiasts, so who will come on the show to come and discuss it. And for today's today's show, we'll be talking to Rob Galbraith, who is an author, is a speaker and a thought leader in insurance and insurtech industry with many years of experience in the insurance industry in America. And like I said, he's an author and the name of his book is The End of Insurance as We Know It. He's known as the most interesting man in the the most interesting man in insurance. We had a really robust conversation with him and it's one that I'm looking forward to having a listener here, you know, and I'm sure that to really ignite some conversations even at the top level. So um, I couldn't help but notice Bob Galbraith's profile about the, um, the book he wrote, The End of Insurance as We Know It. What exactly do you think he was talking about? I mean, this is something that you, I mean, he's going to talk about definitely, yeah. But, you know, I'm lucky to have a copy of the book. And, I mean, going through the book, uh, you see that he talks a lot about how the insurance industry is going to change through technology. It definitely is the end of how we know it. We'll be right back. How have you been coping with the lockdown? And um, how have you been surviving this COVID-19 pandemic? How has that affected you? It's um, been uh, a big change. Um, we're, I feel very uh, blessed that um, you know I'm healthy, my family's healthy. It's stopped all my travel. So I've spent uh, an extended period of time uh, with my wife and my three children. And... Um, we uh, really don't go out of the house. We, we go to the uh, grocery store and they uh, we can order on the computer online and they um, just drop it off in our trunk so we don't have to you know go into the store or touch anything um, and we bring them back. We were so excited to get toilet paper yesterday <laughs> um, and uh, um, yeah, never driven so far, been so excited to get just a, a, a few rolls of toilet paper. But um, uh, other than that, you know, we uh, uh, just kind of going out for, for walks and riding uh, bikes, keeping distance. Um, we played a lot of board games and cards, so it's been great time to spend with the, the family um, because I'm I'm traveling so much. So, um, you know, in some ways it, it, it feels a bit of a, a blessing and most of the work that I can do, I can do, you know, remotely. Um, I work at home anyway, so um, has not had a big personal impact on us, thankfully. Like you said, a lot of change has, has been brought to how we live our lives uh, and also even in business, you know. But before we go into um, the, the changes that has come into the insurance space, even before the COVID-19. So I, can you tell us about really about your background in insurance? Sure. So um, I've... Uh 
Spent over 20 years in the insurance industry. I was an economics major uh, in college at university. And um, then I worked actually at the um, Federal Reserve, the Central Bank of the United States, uh, at Retta College. So that was a, a wonderful experience in Washington, D.C. Um, and then I moved to San Antonio, Texas, where I now live. And um, a friend of mine um, told me about an insurance company called USAA that insures military members and their families. And um, so I started working there and they had a, a bank and they had an investment company that um, you know, invested in stocks and bonds and um, then they had an insurance company and I happened to get a job on the insurance side, but I always wanted to get over to banking or investments. I thought, oh, insurance is boring. You know, this is, this is lame. And, uh, it was the biggest part of the company. Um, and so I, um, started learning about it and I got a professional designation called the Chartered Property Casualty Underwriter or CPCU, um, that many professionals get here in the U S and, um, so as I started learning about it and understanding um, how much it helps people uh, when they have a, a devastating loss, you know, uh, they have a um, you know tropical cyclone or um, you know a large wildfire or whatnot, and helps them you know recover from these devastating events. Um, I met a man from India, and he said um, he always wanted to work in insurance because um, as a boy, his village. Um, was um, just ravaged by a cyclone and um, you know there was no such thing as insurance everyone just had to use their own personal savings what little they had and, and rely on each other as um, you know as neighbors and as families but um, you know it took them a very very long time to recover because they were just relying on each other they had no such thing as insurance um, and so over time I just really grew to love the industry and um you know, I, I can't imagine now working in um, you know, any other industry. I, I love working in insurance. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Adebo Ali Banjo. I'm co-founder, CEO at MyCover.ai, and we are building Africa's digital insurance infrastructure. For the latest news on insurance technology in Africa, keep listening to InsurTech Business Series and stay updated. Okay, that's, that's that's great. So, um, so I mean, I know, I mean, I've followed you a while, and I, I see uh, this alias, the most interesting man in insurance. <laughs> how did that come about? I'm really interested in knowing how that came about. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, I uh, actually one of the very first podcasts that I ever did. Um, I talked to the host about some experiences that I've had in insurance. So I tell people that I'm quite boring. Um, you know, I, um, am not very adventurous. I don't go, you know, skydiving or bungee jumping. I don't have a motorcycle. I, I don't, you know, I'm very uh, risk adverse. I, uh, I've never broken a bone or anything. So, um, insurance kind of, I guess, suits my, my personality, um, but in insurance, um, I've done some pretty cool things. So I've um, actually chased supercells, um, big thunderstorms with uh, you know hail, and, and driven into the the hail and and um, to try to uh, um, work with scientists to observe um, hail. Hail is um, not understood very well because it um, it melts. So these you know these huge kind of 
you know, chunks of ice that come from the, um, the sky sometimes in a very severe storm and has tornadoes and the violent winds and everything. And so to drive into the storm rather than, you know, away from the dark clouds, um, just to, to learn about them and study them was a, a pretty cool experience. Um, I've also been, you know, following uh, cyclones, been on tops of um, roofs, seeing just some of the devastation, you know, um, kind of um, allowed in before other people were allowed in and just to kind of see the power of these storms. Um, I happened to go to Hawaii for to speak at a conference and I landed about an hour later. There was a, a 6.9 magnitude earthquake um, that led to um, Kilauea, which is the only active volcano in Hawaii, um, actually having some some lava flows, um, which ended up uh, wiping out some some homes and lighting some uh, cars on fire and um you know all while i was i was there in hawaii and um so yeah i've just had you know some pretty pretty neat experiences um i've been you know featured on um, news programs and, and other things that my kids now are bored of seeing their dad on tv so um yeah the host just said oh you know you're the most interesting man in insurance and so it kind of stuck and um yeah everyone kind of knows, knows and people like it now when they meet me they see my profile on linkedin they'll say oh you know i'm talking to the most interesting man in insurance so um yeah people have uh, fun with it so that's that's how i stuck <laughs> Well, that's 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 great. I mean, those are really cool experiences. Uh, so, so now uh, you have a book, yes, uh, about uh, InsureTech. And myself and Finn were speaking earlier, and I mean, look at the, like the title, and it says um, "End of of Insurance as We Know It." You know, and 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 then you know, you now ask now, should should incumbents now be scared because? You know, you're saying that uh, insurance is going to change. You know, so should incumbents, you know, be scared of the future or even the now because actually those changes are, are imminent? Um, I think they should be scared a little bit. Um, and I say that because, <laughs> you know, insurance um, in many parts of the world, um, such as where I'm sitting in the United States, and uh you know western europe and in um, some asian countries it's a very mature um, industry and the top uh, companies have been around for decades so in the united states for example um, of the top 10 uh, insurance carriers the um, youngest carrier the one that was started uh, the, the uh, most recently was in 1937 um you know 85 years or 80 whatever that is 83 years ago so um you know there's just not a lot of um dynamic dynamic uh change and, and turnover in the industry and so it can get very stale um and very complacent and not serve the needs of customers well so i think that's why a lot of these insure tech uh, startups um, are, um, you know, pose kind of a, a, an interesting challenge to them. Uh, right now, a lot of them are looking to partner together uh, because incumbents have a lot of advantages. Um, certainly the size, certainly um, we have lots of regulation here in the United States that insurance companies much must, uh, uh, you know, follow. Um, so I think it's... Um, you know, right now we'll see how those partnerships go over the next two, three years. I think some will work out, but I think others will will not. The pace of change, it, it's kind of like a, um, 
you know, a really big uh, airline, international airline that's kind of flying, right, at, at altitude and just kind of cruising versus a, a little model rocket ship that you might build in your backyard that just you know, shoots up really quickly, right, and um, also can fall to the ground really quickly. And it's trying to get those two to, you know, to kind of fly next to each other, right, and, and be companions. And so that's just very difficult. The startups move at a much faster speed um, than the incumbents. I think in... Um, Many other markets where I've seen across the world where um, there's not a, um, a well-established insurance industry, um, that the, uh, inc- the, the, the startups um, actually could quickly um, come to dominate and, and serve the needs of uh, many people. I've been so fortunate that um, you know, so many people around the world have um, discovered my book and found value in it um, from some of these countries. Um, certainly including Nigeria, but also uh, Mongolia. It's actually being translated into by a team of four into Mongolian right now. Um, there's also um, uh, three people in Iran that are translating it into uh, uh, Persian uh, or Farsi for um, the local audience there. Um, you know, many areas in South America, um, you know, Africa, some countries in Asia, um, Central Eastern Europe. Uh, so, um, you know, for countries that don't have as an established a market, um, it's kind of proving to be a, a roadmap of, you know, if you were to start an insurance industry from scratch or essentially from scratch, you know, how would you do it? Um, and I think you would certainly do it in a way that's different than um, a mature market such as the United States, um, Great Britain, um, you know, Germany, other other countries. Um, Rob, I was going to ask, InsurTech, should they um, disrupt or collaborate with incubants? What do you think? Like, what would you advise? Um, say, for instance, um, our regular traditional insurance companies, would you advise that this is the time for them to disrupt that particular industry with, you know, insurance technology? Or would you advise that they collaborate with, you know, um, existing ones? But what do you think? Hi, I'm Dr. Neto, founder and CEO of Wella Health, where we're working on affordable access to healthcare using technology and alternative care pathways, microinsurance being central to our work. I'm delighted to be on a chat on InsurTech Business Series, where we talk about some of the stuff we're learning at Wella Health and how we can improve insurance adoption across Nigeria and Africa. Enjoy. So I think it depends. I know that's a, um, you know, an easy answer um, or, or you know, a way to not answer the, the question. Um, but I think it depends um, because certainly incumbents have an advantage. Um, they have established relationships. They you know, are already regulated. They have products in the marketplace. They, in theory, have information about their customers and about losses. Um, and they have, you know, just a wealth of data and information. So um, they just may need help in certain areas. And that often is um, you know, technology. Maybe they don't, um, uh, you know, aren't accessible very well from a computer or a mobile phone. 
um, or you know the products are difficult to um, understand or uh, use um, or just to service like if people want to make changes or get a new you know add to their products um, you know it's just a lot of uh, what we call friction it's hard to do so I think um, for those types of things um, startups can definitely help them as they kind of collaborate together um, the startups again move a lot faster and so if they want to be able to be responsive to customer needs um, collaboration can work really really well I think um, the challenge is that again as I mentioned you know they're just moving at different speeds and so um, oftentimes that these incumbents you know there's a lot of people that they have to have a lot of meetings and um, there's not one decision maker you have eight or ten people that all have to say yes and you know it just takes a long time to get everybody on board or to agree they may not all agree and so things kind of uh, get put on the shelf and have to wait um, and so all that takes time all that costs money for a startup right because they may have to pay um, programmers and, and other people um, their expenses don't necessarily go away even if a project you know drags out or um, you know gets put on the shelf so um, I think sometimes incumbents just need to just move forward on their own and not try to collaborate and do their very best um, certainly do their homework uh, one of the reasons I wrote the book was uh, so that um, technologists and entrepreneurs and uh, people from outside the insurance industry could get a crash course in insurance, um, learn about some of the concepts. Um, I have a lot of a glossary with a lot of insurance specific terms and concepts to make it um, accessible where you don't have to get a professional designation in insurance. You can just, you know, read the book or, or listen to the book. Um, and uh, you know very quickly get up to speed so um, I actually don't see a lot of disruption per se happening today and I'd like to see more um, I think there's not enough so I think it's important to kind of have a balance and I think um, over time that's what we'll see we'll see some incumbents that um, you know adapt and change and uh, partner and stay quite relevant and on top of the market and I think we're gonna see others that don't and those will fade away and those will start losing out to um, some of the uh, disruptors and, and most of the disruptors will fail unfortunately that's just the nature of um, you know the economy in any industry when you have a lot of startups they can't all succeed but um, a few will succeed and I think um, you know two or three are probably going to be household names in five to ten years that don't exist today you know being a very mature industry I mean around the world you know they're quite sluggish to change and then because of that uh, the fact that they want to protect that industry there are a lot of barriers to entry you know that have been put up you know, for example uh, uh, capital requirements you know. so how do you think that uh, insurtech startups can navigate those those barriers with capital requirements i think um, that has been a, a very big barrier to entry um, for um, startups um, so I, I don't know how many have actually tried to um, go out and raise that capital from you know investors and, and, and others that might be willing to, to, to lend them I know um, some have done it to um, reinsurance companies um, I think that there are also um, potential solutions out there um, that don't operate exactly the way that insurance operates um, but could potentially be designed to um, provide customers with the same 
downside protection, the same financial protection against loss that insurance does. And I call this, um, you know, a kind of a new risk transfer paradigm or, or quasi insurance. Um, so, you know, an example I use is credit cards that, um, you know, uh, a lot of people for smaller losses, and certainly this isn't going to cover your, your home or you know, your automobile potentially, but um, maybe for smaller losses like your mobile phone, um, you know, if, if it gets damaged or whatnot, you may not buy traditional insurance on that product. You may just you know, use a, a credit card or, or other product, uh, a loan of some type to um, pay for a new one. And so I think there are, um, or again, you know, there's um, um, crowdfunding, right? Um, or uh, crowdsourcing or peer-to-peer uh, -peer lending. Um, there's so many different um, uh, kind of new um, ways of doing finance that are coming up in the fintech space that I think that um, certainly that would be a place to kind of look from an insure tech space and kind of see if there's alternatives to um, the traditional insurance paradigm when it comes to some of those barriers to entry. Um, picking up what you said the previous time, we're talking about seeing more um, disruptions in the industry. And I wanted to find out what exactly do you mean by disruptions? Are we talking about disruptions in um, underwriting processes? In terms, I mean, generally in um, all of those processes, or are we looking at a larger scale in terms of distribution channels? What exactly are we looking at in terms of strategy? What, what kind of disruptions and where exactly um, would you like to see most of those disruptions? I mean, um, I know that there are some organizations that currently have reduced their turnaround time because they have a particular insurance technology that helps them to identify claims easily. So when you say disruptions, what exactly do you mean? I think there's opportunities all across the value chain, so in all different areas. Um, I'll start with some of the, the paperwork. You know, I think insurance um, around the world has a lot of paperwork, no matter what's involved. And um, there's lots of manual yeah. data, you know, entry and, and verification. And, um, you know, these processes haven't changed as much as you might think um, they would in our age of, of computers and the internet. Um, and so there's a lot of opportunities to streamline. Um, many companies haven't had the incentive to streamline as much as they could because the competitors are all bogged down in the same inefficient processes. So somebody that really um, thought digital first, um, not just as a, you know, a PDF file or an image of a document, but um, you know, kind of true um, digital uh, formats and, and uh, processing using, um, you know, what's known as optical character recognition, or, you know, the, this is software that can read, you know, handwriting and create it into digital text, um, natural language processing, robotic process automation. Um, there's so many technologies out there today that can make those processes way more efficient. And a lot of insurance companies have not invested as heavily in them as they um, should, in my view, because they've been focused on the distribution side. So they have not focused as much on getting more efficient as um, trying to sell more, more policies or more products. And this is a bit of a conundrum for insurance companies 
um, because many of them employ people, right, that do those jobs, um, shuffle the papers, you know, have to do the, the, the manual data entry. And so um, I think they're a little bit loath to um, reduce their staff. Even some of the more um, high skill jobs that like an underwriter might do um, or an actuary, artificial intelligence can do a lot of that work today, you know, and you almost need a computer programmer that can um, code machine learning and a data scientist rather than a, an actuary or an underwriter. Um, and so I, I think, you know, a lot of those jobs are, are threatened. Um, on the distribution side, um, you know, I, I think um, there will still be a place for um, insurance uh, agencies and brokers. I think um, some business can be written direct to consumer. I think they're simple enough that the consumer can understand and you can sell them direct. But I think, you know, many business insurance and others, um, because insurance is such a complicated product and I think some of that complexity can be reduced, but I, I don't know that it can all, you know, all be eliminated. Um, but I think having digital storefronts, digital experiences, um, and then people available to talk to, and that could be even a chat bot, um, or that could be, you know, over the phone, um, or it could be, you know, in person if somebody wants that, but the, that in person, you know, in our world of social distancing, that could be over a Zoom meeting right today. Um, I think people are gonna want to buy insurance um, the fastest way possible. So I think they're gonna wanna do some research on their own online first on the internet, but then I think at some point it's gonna become overwhelming and they're gonna to wanna to talk to an expert. And so I think, um, you know, insurance uh, agencies that um, know how to use technology smartly um, and interact with their carriers uh, digitally, um, and then have what is known as uh, omni-channel. Um, so that means, you know, you can call, you can text me, you can use WhatsApp, you can, you know, Zoom call me, like, you know, however it comes in, I'm prepared to take, you know, take that customer however he or she comes to me and work with them. And then once the, the human conversation part is, is done, then maybe I follow up digitally, right? And then they can interact with the product digitally until they have another complex need that um, is too difficult for them to come up with their own. Um, so I, I think um, there's definitely an opportunity to make the product simpler as well, right? Have less restrictions, less regulations. Um, it, it doesn't need to be as confusing as it is. And I think more transparency um, is actually going to make it um, you know, more robust in terms of covering more. It's going to be simpler to use, simpler to understand. Um, and to the extent that it's simpler to use and simpler to understand, the more you can digitize it and the less you need for um, human involvement. I happen to work in the insurance agency space. And I mean, I've worked with like that aspect um, critically and definitely, you know, the insurance agents you know, would still be relevant. You know, but then there still has to be some skill development in that space because things will still definitely change in, in how you do business. Well, actually, I'm now looking at, um, in the broader sense now, looking at uh, how work is going to change, you know. And so, because work is going to change, definitely it will affect insurance as well. So, and I'm talking about, you know, the gig economy. I know you, you wrote about that in, in, in your book. And so, I just wanted to, to get your thoughts about how you think that insurance can, can actually change in that aspect. Insurance are actually missing out on a huge amount of opportunity. Um, you know, I, I um, as I mentioned, you know, fortunate enough to travel um, all over the world. And 
Um, yeah, in many countries, um, you know, even here in the United States, I think one in six motorists is not covered by insurance. Um, so here again, a very mature economy where the insurance industry has been around for for centuries, and yet one in six motorists don't have coverage. And we even have a special coverage that you can buy called uninsured motorist coverage. So if an uninsured motorist hits you, you have coverage on your own policy to cover that. I mean, that's just crazy, right? That makes no sense at all. But yet, that's what we've come up with. Um, in other parts of the world, you know, many fewer people are covered by insurance. I've been to parts where that you know only thirty percent of people have an insurance product, and um, you know, why is it so low? And it, it's because it's not affordable. It's not accessible. Um, as you mentioned, you know, many of the policies um, are annual policies. And you have to pay for the the premiums up front. Um, and you know, who has that much money um, all at one time to pay for something that, you know, there's probably a five or ten percent likelihood that you'll use it, um, but otherwise, you know, that money is gone, and that money could be used for for something else. Um, you could certainly save it, right? Build up a rainy day fund and others. So, I think um, pay as you go. I think, um, you know not just monthly payments, which uh, some uh, insurance companies allow, but but maybe even weekly or even daily. Um, you know, you are starting to see it with, um, uh, you know, whether you ride scooters or whether you, you travel, right, where you're just getting that kind of product um, just in time, or you can, you know, quickly add or, or delete items that um, uh, you want covered from a policy very quickly. Um, but insurance has to um, make the products more accessible and more affordable. And so um, providing more payment options is one. Uh, but again, certainly um, making the product much more efficient um, and bringing the expense floor down um, using some of those technologies that we talked about before. So it's not so costly to adjust a claim and it's not so costly to um, you know, sell a policy, service a policy, underwrite a policy, etc. And that's another reason that insurance companies need to get more efficient. And many of the companies are um, not as efficient as it could be because they have what's known as technical debt. Um, they've built, bought, uh, you know, mainframe computers from the 1960s and 1970s and 1980s, and they're still running these systems today. Um, here in the United States, you know, because of COVID-19, we've had you know, many people, unfortunately, lose their jobs over the last month, and they're um, applying for unemployment insurance from the government. And um, now all of a sudden the government says we need programmers that know how to uh, write in a language called COBOL, which hasn't been used in, you know, 50 years. Uh, but um, and IBM is now starting to offer training courses in wow. COBOL for free um, to, to help. It's just amazing that, you know, in today's world, we're still relying on technologies that are, you know, around when, um, you know, man first set foot on the, the, the moon in the late 1960s. Um, and so, again, if insurance companies cannot bring their costs down to serve these customers, um, then somebody else is going to do it. What do you think is the fate of the insurtech industry with COVID-19? Like how do you think this pandemic is going to change the whole um, insurance industry? A few things, and it's it's hard to anticipate, right? Because we're in it right now. But um, already, um, I know here in the United States, and I assume this is happening all over the the world. People are looking at policy language, and they're trying to understand. You know, are some um, losses going to be covered or not? Um, there's talk of government regulation to retroactively. Um, make coverage have to cover some of these losses even if the policy language is um, 
you know, very clear that, that you know, um, these types of um, disease um, is not covered. Um, so that will be kind of an interesting fight. And, and regardless of whether, um, you know, it turns out that um, a court finds that it is covered or is not covered, um, the fact that it may have to go through um, years of litigation before somebody, you know, gets a, a, a payment or not um, is going to be um, a bad look for the insurance industry. People don't pay attention to their policy. They don't read their, you know, um, uh, policy language. They don't know their coverages very well. And so they just assume things are covered, right? That aren't. And that's, of course, where a great insurance agent makes all the difference in the world. Um, but, um, I think um, it's going to be pretty obvious that, um, you know, again, once again, insurance isn't um, uh, covering everything that we would want it to cover from a societal point of view. You know, people are suffering, people are having uh, losses, um, either they themselves, right, got sick and there's a, a health expense or they um, had to quarantine and so they've lost money because they weren't able to go to work. Um, or they're you know, out of a job now, their company's failed, or you know, they had a restaurant, nobody's coming to the restaurant anymore, so they had to close, um, and they didn't get any business interruption insurance because you know the property wasn't damaged, there's nothing wrong with the restaurant, right? It's just you know nobody, nobody can go because either the government told everyone to stay in place or people are just afraid to, to go out. Um, I also think that um, a lot of the startups are gonna see um, an opportunity to sell directly to consumer. Um, I don't know uh, what it's like in uh, Nigeria and other parts of Africa, um, but here in the United States, a lot of health insurance is tied to your um, employer. Um, and you know, there's other insurance products that are often offered by employers as kind of a you know a benefit for employees. And this has a legacy back to World War II. Um, here in the U.S., um, other countries, of course, have national health care and others. But to the extent that any insurance protection, and it could be life insurance, it could be health, it could be others, is tied to your job, you know, I think that's going to go away because we see how quickly people are losing jobs, unfortunately, during COVID-19. And um, so I think there's going to be kind of a break between, um, you know, that relationship between you can only get the insurance through your employer. Um, you know, it ties back to what we were talking about with the gig economy before as well. So I, I think you know, that link is going to be firmly broken. Um, one challenge um, that I know um, when I was in Brazil last fall, and this may again be a challenge um, uh, in Nigeria and elsewhere in Africa, is they said, Rob, you know, many of these um, uh, our, our citizens, they've become reliant on the government for some of these um, these types of protections. And now the government is, um, because of cost, um, you know, they're stripping away some of those protections. Um, but the um, insurance consumer isn't educated on that they have a need for these products, right? And so trying to persuade somebody, right, to make the investment in something like a life insurance product or um, accidental, you know, disability or, or other types of products um, can be very challenging, particularly if they, A, they don't think it's going to, something bad's going to happen to them, right? I mean, I'm sure you heard that, like, what are the odds of a pandemic, right? You know, that, that'll never happen. Um, or things like that. And then you, know, you mentioned Wimbledon, right? So um, there was uh, the you know, big tennis tournament Wimbledon in, in the um, United Kingdom. They've been paying $2 million a year for pandemic coverage um, for the past 30 some years, you know, and I'm sure you could look at that and say, oh, they just wasted over 70 you know, million dollars on pandemic coverage. You know, well, why are they throwing away their money like that? Well, 
now this year the tournament's not going to be held they're going to get 140 million dollars um to cover the the losses so now it looks like a very smart thing so if we are bringing some of these solutions that can make things better for insurance companies you know so why then is it a hard sell to c-suite executives around the world there's a few reasons i think um insurance just in general tends to be very conservative and um you know a friend of mine and i mentioned this story in the book his name is uh, tony canyas he comes from uh, costa rica and he said rob why are insurance companies all conservative and i said i don't know they always are um yeah i said i don't really have a good reason and he said it's because all the risk takers have failed <laughs> and they've gone bust you know they've gone insolvent and so you know it's this the conservative <laughs> ones tend to survive in this mm. industry and so that that made a lot of sense to me and so i do think um you know there's this uh, paradox that um, insurance companies which um, are supposed to be experts in risk don't like ever taking a risk so i think that's part of it is just as a mentality yeah. i do think there's some practical reasons as well i think um you know you can't just screw it up right like if you switch over to some technology and it's it's not seamless you know you you can't lose somebody's policy information right or or you know that they've paid you or they can't like you know trust is so important to the <laughs> yeah. industry and um so I, I think you know anything that you do to um, introduce new technology comes with um, true practical risks, right? And um, it's um, far more complicated. I'm, I'm not an IT expert at all, but um, understanding your IT, you know, architecture, and um, you obviously have vulnerabilities in terms of data privacy, data security. You know, we read about hacking and breaches all over the place. That um, comes at you know great cost. Um, you know, you, you, you have one shot to get it right, basically. You know, you don't get do-overs. You, you don't get to kind of, you know, move fast and break things like they say. You know, I think there are some true practical limitations. Mm -hmm. That's one reason I think that the startups yeah. have an advantage over incumbents because the startups don't have to worry about you know, all that legacy, all that tech deck, all this, you know. So it's it's almost like a scar tissue that's kind of built up like over time, right? And so it's um, it's not the same as, you know, a new a new limb, right? That um, so it's um, it's challenging these technologies. They don't they come from different eras. They weren't meant to talk to each other, you know, it's like different generations you know we all have been with our family and we can have conversations and sometimes it's like what are you talking about i don't understand you know and you know we find it hard to relate um across generations you know like trying to explain to your grandfather what TikTok is you know they might get really confused so um that's kind of the way it is with these technologies right they come from different eras and different times they don't work well together and so that's a, a big challenge for incumbents you know, starting these conversations is definitely the right step and those are things that we want to do and we're happy to have you in our first podcast so we'll be having some of these conversations uh, more often and so we really love to have you again i was um, also hoping that um, you know um, based on the fact that we you know need to carry out our you know um conference we were thinking if there's a possibility of speaking to our audiences so we can learn from your wealth Thank you so much for having me on. I love this podcast idea. I'm honored to be your first guest. Um, and I 
um, look forward to, to you know, hearing many more episodes. So I'm happy to uh, speak by you know, Zoom for any conference or seminar or any ways to connect. And I certainly hope that one day when all this is over, uh, I can come to Nigeria and we can uh, meet in person and, and share a meal together and, and uh, you know, continue the conversation for sure. You know, really appreciate uh, you championing um, you know, kind of the InsurTech movement and what it can do for um, Nigeria, for Africa, and for um, you know, many people all over the world that um, you know could benefit from insurance, but need it to work better than it does today to uh, serve our needs in the 21st century. Oh, so that was Rob Galbraith, and I really want to say thank you for your time today. I mean, yes, um, yes, yes. for joining our podcast it means a lot and um I, judging by what you said i mean you said a whole lot about what's going to happen in the insurance industry and for me i think my take home is the fact that insurance is not going to be business as usual there's going to be a lot of changes in the insurance industry based on the fact that now we are faced with a pandemic that has fast-tracked most of all of these changes. What do you think, Damola, would be your own take on? Yeah, I, I took a, took away uh, a few things. And one of the things he said that struck me was that, uh, you know, when he talked about the fact that insurers being risk managers usually running away from mm-hmm. from risk mm-hmm. i think that with technology you know a lot of this uh, <clears throat> risk that uh, some companies tend to run away from might now become more attractive you know in the market which would definitely create more opportunity in terms of products which the customers are looking for you know more more pr- products flexibility different diverse mm-hmm products you know you can't just have a straight jacket product you know car insurance everybody is is taking the same the same type of car insurance you know should be more diversity in the market yeah, so that people are yeah, more encouraged to take mm-hmm. to take up this and in the long run can improve the, the market penetration mm-hmm. you know, and that's what tech can do and, and you know we're glad to be a part of that conversation help to ignite some of those conversations mm-hmm. you know, see how it goes from there this is really great. Yeah. I mean, uh, at InsurTech Business Series, we want to encourage learning, we want to initiate innovations and also help to connect people with uh, with others so that innovation can grow, you know. And, and so it, it's, really, it's really an interesting time. You know? It's really an interesting time. our new segment uh, FBN Holdings are looking to sell their stake in FBN Insurance to South African based Sanlem Emerging Markets according to the company's secretary the move is part of FBN Holdings strategic objectives you know, FBN Holdings is looking to sell all its 65% equity in FBN Insurance so definitely we'll be seeing a lot of uh, change in that in that uh, area i mean a lot of changes is really happening in the insurance industry already so that is a major one and following reports that all insurance companies in nigeria are allegedly being forced to contribute 
10 million naira each by the regulators. The NIA chairman, Mr. Topper Smart, has come out to debunk that story. So recently, uh, insurance companies and the regulator actually contributed to uh, the, uh, the federal government uh, in line with the response to the COVID-19, as well as providing free life insurance covers for all health workers. Uh, so a story broke that insurance, insurance companies were being forced, mandated by the regulator NICOM to contribute, and that has already been debunked by NIA. The Future Africa has launched an investment fund called Future Africa Collective, where qualified investors can co-invest with Future Africa. This, according to Inyabo Eji, who is one of the co-founders, can be a weapon of innovation and revolution in Africa. You know, so this is really an opportunity for uh, insurtech startups to into and you know get that funding that they really need at this time so yeah that, those are the uh, new stories that we have at the moment and so um thank you once again like my um co-host said Tamala and we really appreciate you guys joining us and then we wouldn't have achieved this space without you and so we would like to have your reviews your comments on um if you think we could actually take this particular um, series a top notch higher, you could let us know. Um, also, we would appreciate it if we have um, a bit of um, InsurTech enthusiasts reach out to us. I mean, it would be really nice to record one of our podcasts with you airing your views. Thank you once again. I remain Polini, your host, and Yes, I'm Damola. And don't forget that you can follow us on Twitter uh, at Insured365N. And you can follow me on Mr. Underscore Musky. And this podcast is going to be by by monthly. And like she said, we'll be looking forward to having you on board. Just reach out to us and we can work something out. So let's continue to have that conversation and see you next time. Please stay safe and stay, stay home. safe. Bye. Yeah. Bye.